1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Satan wanted to destroy Israel, so he tempted King David to do a census, and King David gave in to that temptation. The only reason that governments ever do a census is because of greed. They want more money from their people. A census is actually a sin on the government's part. Now, it's not a sin to participate in the census as a citizen because you have no choice. And Joseph and Mary participated in a census when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's why they went there, was because they had to participate in a census. Census means the government wants more money, so they want to count how many people they can get money out of. This was a sin on David's part to give in to this temptation. 2. And David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know the sum of them. Numbering them from Dan to Beersheba would cover the north side of Judah's territory all the way down to the southern side of Judah's territory. So he wants to number every single person in the tribe of Judah plus anyone living in or near that territory. And bring me word that I may know the sum of them. 3. And Joab said, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they are. But, my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of guilt unto Israel? Joab is one of David's top warriors, and he's been told to go and count the people. And he says a blessing first of all, which is a great way to address a king. When he says, May the Lord make his people a hundred times so. He says, may the people of this land grow into a number that's a hundred times what they already are. However, you're sinning by doing this. And he warned David that these people are already his servants. He doesn't need to count them and get money out of them. For nevertheless, the king's words prevailed against Joab. That means that in this argument, David won and he didn't listen to Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. 5. And Joab gave up the sum of the numbering of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. That's one million and a hundred thousand men that were counted. When they count the people of Israel, they never count everybody, they just count the fighting men. And then when you multiply that by anywhere from four to six people, you'll know how many people are actually in Israel. And Judah was 403 score and 10,000 men that drew sword. That's 470,000 men in Judah alone, and 1,100,000 in all of Israel throughout those territories. 6. But Levi and Benjamin he did not number among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. Joab was righteous in this way. He didn't want to number anyone, so he absolutely refused to number the Levites, because that would have been even more sinful than just numbering the other people, because the Levites are the servants of God in his temple, and they certainly shouldn't be numbered for attacks. So he refused to number them, and he refused to number the Benjamites, because those are the younger brothers brothers of Joseph, who was the favorite of Israel, so it wouldn't be right to number them either. And also the Benjamites are the tribe that Saul came from, and maybe it had something to do with that, that he thought since it's a former king's tribe, they shouldn't be numbered. 
7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. God attacked Israel because of David's sin in numbering them, in conducting this census. 8. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. At the beginning of this chapter, it said that Satan wanted to destroy Israel. And in order to destroy Israel, he tempted David, and David gave in into that temptation. When Satan wants to destroy you, he will always tempt you. That's how he destroys us, because once we give in to temptation, we open ourselves up to the wrath of God, as well as demonic plague in our lives. 8. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, in that I have done this thing. But now put away, I beseech thee, the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. 9. And the Lord spoke unto Gad, David's seer, saying, David asked God to forgive him, and he repented of the census. And God spoke to the prophet named Gad, and he told Gad, 10. Go and speak unto David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. God is offering David three different types of punishment, and he's going to allow David to choose the punishment that he would most rather have. Of course, none of these punishments are going to be good, but he's allowing David to choose the lesser. 11. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Take which thou wilt. 12. Either three years of famine, or three months to be swept away before thy foes, while the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the borders of Israel. Now therefore consider what answer I shall return to him that sent me. David's three options of punishment are 1. Three years of famine, where people will die. The second option is three months of war with the pagans, where people will die in battle. And the last option is three days of pestilence sent by the Lord himself with this destroying angel killing people. Now you might think, why are the people getting punished for David's sin? It isn't their fault that he conducted a census, just like it wasn't Joseph and Mary's fault that Herod conducted a census when Jesus was born. Remember, the reason he had counted them was to get more taxes. So if people die, he'll get less taxes, and this is his punishment. Now, the people who die who are with the Lord, who love the Lord, they'll go straight to heaven and have their reward. And the people who die in sin will go to hell. But that's between each individual and God. David's problem is that they're going to die at all. When they die, he'll have less revenue instead of the more revenue that Satan tempted him with. And David doesn't want people to get punished anyway. 13. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, and let me not fall into the hand of man. David doesn't want three years of famine or three months of war, because he feels that less people will die if he lets the Lord directly punish him, because the Lord is so merciful. So he chooses three days of the avenging angel sending pestilence, because he believes less people will die that way. Not because it's three days, but because it's directly from heaven to the people. 14. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. 70,000 is a holy number. It's God's number of completion, which means that David's punishment was complete. And he would feel guilty and bad about this 
it would make him very sad that all these people died because of his sin. 15. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was about to destroy, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the destroying angel, It is enough, now stay thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. When the angel came to do the pestilence for three days and kill people, the angel had gone all throughout Judah and other areas. And finally, the angel reached Jerusalem. And the angel was going to kill people in Jerusalem. But God wanted to spare Jerusalem because that's his holy city. So he told the angel to stop. And the angel was at the threshing floor, which is where they bring in the grain from the harvest of a man named Ornan. 14. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. David was in mourning, praying and fasting these whole three days, begging the Lord not to kill that many people and to stop as soon as possible. And his eyes were opened spiritually that he could see the angel approaching Jerusalem. So he fell on his face, begging for mercy. 17. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done very wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but not against thy people, that they should be plagued. David feels so guilty, and he doesn't want innocent people to be punished. But again, the Lord has a relationship with each and every one of them. Either they hate him and they're going to hell, or they love him and they're going to heaven. David asks the Lord to punish his family instead. And the Lord can't do this because the Lord has already promised that the Messiah will come from his family line. So the Lord isn't going to wipe out his family. And it's interesting because the Bible shows us that at the very same time that God had already decided not to destroy Jerusalem, that was precisely at the same time that David saw the angel and asked God to stop killing people and instead to kill his own family, which means that David and God were thinking the same thing at the same time. This shows you also that David had a heart after God. Yes, he did sin sometimes, but he always repented quickly and felt really bad for his sin and got back in line with God. He didn't live a lifestyle of sin, but he fell occasionally. 18. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. 19. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spoke in the name of the Lord. Gad the prophet told David that the Lord said to offer up an offering where the angel was, which was the threshing floor of Ornan. And David went there. 20. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons that were with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. This was harvest time, and Ornan and his sons were actually working in the threshing floor. But when they saw the angel, his sons hid. And you and I would too if we saw an angel. Angels are scary because they exude the holiness of God, and God's holiness is deadly because we are so sinful. His holiness will kill us. It's kind of like when heat and ice meet, the heat will always win. It's going to melt that ice. That's the way it is when we meet God's holiness. 
21 And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David, and went out of the threshing floor, and bowed down to David with his face to the ground. Ornan sees the angel too, but he also sees King David coming, and he bows down to him. 22 Then David said to Ornan, Give me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build thereon an altar unto the Lord, for the full price shalt thou give it me, that the plague may be stayed from the people. 23 And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the mill offering. I give it all. 24 And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer a burnt offering without cost. 25 So David gave to Ornan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight. God had commanded David to offer up a burnt offering there, and he couldn't do it unless he bought the building and the land, and that building was never used for threshing wheat again. He would also have to pay the price of any wheat that didn't get threshed there. He went to Ornan to buy it, and Ornan offered it for free because Ornan loved David and the Lord. He was a righteous man too, so he said, Just take it, let it be on me. And King David refused and said, No, it has to be on me because it's my sin. I can't offer God something that didn't cost me anything. All the times when we were little and our parents gave us a quarter to put in the offering plate, it wasn't really coming from us, so it wasn't our offering. It was just a game that we were playing. When we give an offering to the Lord, it has to cost us something, or else it's not really an offering. 25. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. 26. And David built there an altar for the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called upon the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. This is the third time I can remember in the scripture where we've read that fire actually came down from heaven and burnt an offering, where God himself sent the fire. This is a pretty spectacular moment, and whenever this happens, it means that God fully accepts the offering. Does God send fire down from heaven to accept your offering? And I mean that in a spiritual sense. Is your life on fire for the Lord? If it is, then he has fully accepted the offering of your life that you've laid on the altar for him. The burnt offering means total consecration, and the peace offering means that God has forgiven us. 27. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword back into the sheath thereof. The angel had his sword out to kill people, but when God said stop, the angel put the sword back in the sheath. Angels obey God's command, not ours. There's a lot of New Age teachings in the church today, and one of them is that we command the angels and we tell the angels what to do, but there is no example of that anywhere in the Old or the New Testament. Throughout the entire Bible, the angels are commanded by God alone. Now we can ask God to have angels do this or that, but we don't command the angels. That's new age. That's witchcraft, actually. A witch can command an evil spirit only at the cost of her own soul. Angels are soldiers for Jesus, not us. 28. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. He did the burnt offering, which is full consecration. Then he did the peace offering, which means that God is giving him peace and forgiveness. And then after the angel stopped killing people, then he gave 
the sin offering. So the sin offering was actually done last. He told God, I'm fully consecrated to you. I want your peace. And then he told God, please forgive me. That's what the sin offering means. 29. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering, were at that time in the high place at Gibeon. Gibeon was about five miles northeast of Jerusalem, but David did a sacrifice right there at Ornan's former threshing floor. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was terrified because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. David didn't go to Gibeon because he was too afraid of the angel that was between him and Gibeon. He didn't want to cross paths with that angel at all. And that concludes 1 Chronicles chapter 21.